0: But if you are starting to function in a stress stressful place, a stressful episode, and it's become normal to you, you are now in critical burnout stage and you may need to seek out some support to bring you back into a, a healthy space of just functionality.
1: Welcome back to the Journey podcast. I'm your co-host Emma Jackson. And I'm Jose. And today, we are joined by the lovely Akil Bernard. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you for coming here. So, Akil is a certified professional coach and employee wellness consultant here in Houston. He specializes in guiding professionals of color through a transformative journey, helping them navigate complexities like uncovering their hidden strengths and establishing sustainable wellness routines that elevate their productivity and well-being. He even has courses specifically on burnout and stress coaching, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Yes. Heck yeah.
0: I need you in my pocket for every room (laughs) that I enter. (laughs) That's a perfect intro. She's
2: very good at intros. Very good intros.
1: But seriously, the topic of burnout is so important, and Mm -hmm. we're discussing it more and more. But at the end of the day, it feels like being Mm high-achieving and being burned out Mm -hmm. or being consistently stressed, they go together all the time. And even though we are talking about burnout more, it doesn't feel like we're able to solve that problem and it Mm -hmm. keeps happening. So Mm -hmm. I would love to know, just first off, a little bit about you and your background and how you got into doing professional coaching.
0: Yeah, Um, I love that question because it allows me to really share parts of me that I believe are such crucial parts of my story right so a little bit about me um i'm originally from trinidad and tobago a beautiful country we like to call it the twin island in the sun um uh, born and raised and now moved to the u.s uh right when i turned about 21 and uh, i came here and i told myself i'm gonna do something special i don't know what it is just yet but i'm gonna do something special and uh, somewhere along the course of my journey i started working at um i won't say the company i started working for a huge bank and um, I threw myself into my work. Uh, I felt like I had something to prove. I felt like, you know, me being an immigrant, and I'm here. I have to do all of the things. I got to come first, leave last, and I was able to work my way up into, you know, a leadership position as a senior leader, um, managing teams uh, before I turned 30, uh, which was pretty cool. So managing teams, hiring, doing all of the things, and I kind of lost track of work-life balance because I had so much to prove. So I'm going mm-hmm. to work and I'm doing all of these things and moving things around and and before I knew it I was just, all I did was work. All I did was work. And I loved the work that I was doing at that point in time. And uh, then tragedy, tragedy hit, tragedy hit, um, which uh, I lost my brother at a pretty young age and when I lost him, I just spiraled and in directions that I didn't think I was going to be. And then the only thing that I had that was consistent at that time was work.
1: And it's so easy after tragedy to throw yourself into work.
0: I took two weeks off. I went through my grieving process and then I launched myself back into work and lost myself in work as a distraction. And that is the worst thing that you could do. That is where burnout Lives.
1: Yeah, I feel
2: and like you're. I feel like you're just kind of narrating my story right now. No, me too.
1: I think both yeah. of us have had very, very similar experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So, how did you find your way through that?
0: I met an amazing woman, um, in my wife now. Uh, shout out, hey Tasha. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Tasha and I, when we first met, we had very honest conversations around mental health and. You know, she shared her, her struggles with mental health and this way she was in her life. I shared my struggles with mental health. I was not open to uh, therapy at first. And, you know, she talked me into it, just how, how powerful it could be. And um, while I was working in a corporate space, I found a therapist um, that was amazing. And I worked with him for about a year. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, resolving my issues and with everything from just poor eating habits to not taking care of myself. But the deep rooted piece of that was losing my brother and the grieving that I was going through, but not having outlets to really go through that in a healthy way
1: so it wasn't just talk therapy it was someone who was able to really penetrate all of these different parts of your life
0: absolutely working with um it's just funny because he looked like an uncle of mine (laughs) Uh, so it was very easy for us to sit and talk and for me to open up which is very hard for a lot of people to do when you are looking for a therapist because you have to have trust and you have to feel like they understand you and i felt like that with him right away So we worked together for a year and then at the end of us working together after I had worked through all of my things, um, I asked him, I was like, so what's next? Because we're running out of things to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, you get to go live the ideal life that you want to live. And I was like, I'm going to need help. How many more sessions do I have to sign up for for you to get me (laughs) to that point? And he was like, that's not what I do, um, but I have the right person for you. And oh. then he referred me to a coach. And uh, I started working with that coach for about, I say six to say, six to eight months. And during that work that we were doing, this pattern of me being unhappy in the workplace kept surfacing in everything. We would talk about one thing and it would find its way back to me not being happy at work and he was just like we have to create a plan so that you fall back into love with work and well not work we fall back into love with purposeful work and uh, we worked together and then he was able to help me to create a successful plan to exit uh, that company and to go pursue my my passion and Somewhere along the line, I was like, I want to do what you do. And he was like, I already knew that that was in your future. But <laughs> as a coach, it's not on me to tell you what to do. I just lead you along the path and then hopefully you find your way. And now I you know, enrolled in coaching school and I've been coaching for the past three, four years. Wow. Three to four years.
2: I want to backtrack a little bit because mm-hmm. you said something in your first initial statement. That I kind of want to dig loss a little bit. Yeah. The work-life balance, mm-hmm. you say you got to un, like, pretty much an unhealthy point. Mm-hmm. How did you determine that? Because I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes yeah. like a couple of nights ago, I spent like the whole night here until like 11 o'clock the next <laughs> morning. Yeah. So when did, like, how did you identify what's was becoming unhealthy? Mm-hmm. And um, what advice do you have for people like myself or the audience?
0: I think the first thing for me was realizing how stress shows up in my body. I didn't have a clear understanding of what stress looks like in my particular body. I can see it in other people. It might be a loss of appetite. It might be you start losing weight. It might be um, you're just depriving yourself of sleep. It comes in different ways. And for me, it was panic attacks. I was having panic attacks and had no idea that they were panic attacks. I thought I was just overwhelmed Sweaty palms, clamminess, um, my heart's racing, I can't sleep, I can't eat. So all of the things wrapped up into one. And it would happen to me in the most random of places, in the back of an Uber or, you know, at a restaurant. Can you try to
1: rationalize it so I get panic attacks, too? Mm -hmm. And I have just had this conversation of I need to start listening to my body because that's like your that's your body screaming at you. Mm -hmm. But it's so hard. It feels like you have to almost get to that extreme point before you are forced to reckon with what's going on.
0: And that's burnout in its purest form is unresolved episodes of stress. Because people give stress a bad flag. Stress is good. Stress helps move you through things. But there's good stress and then there's bad stress. A good example are athletes. When athletes are putting themselves through extensive training, that's a form of stress but it's also releasing endorphins and all that stuff. They're putting their their bodies through so many different things, but the outcome is they're preparing for something. So with burnout, burnout is just negative episodes of stress constantly happening and not being resolved to the point where you are incapable of having a, a fully functional day without feeling anxious or overwhelmed or just like you're spinning on an axis and you just can't find your foot in. And that's what was happening to me. Um, I was managing a team of 10 and I started dreading going to work. Uh, Obviously managing people is challenging and difficult, but I would just get up in the morning and I would just dread going to work and I would still go and I would still show up and I would be talking to the team. And all of a sudden I would just feel this powerful overwhelm and, I would have to step away and just take a walk because my heart's beat. I can't show them that as a leader Um, because then they're going to be like, well, what's wrong with him? He's not showing up, how he's supposed to? And it was just a combination of overworking myself and not paying attention to how stress was showing up in my body.
2: So what is the technical definition of burnout then? Because I never knew that was burnout. To me, burnout was the point where I just, was so dead tired, I couldn't, I had to sit on the couch for two, three days or sleep for like a whole weekend, just Mm -hmm. to get energy to go back into. That's,
0: that's exactly it. It's, you know, unresolved or unaddressed, uh, issues of constant, putting your body through constant stress. So if I'm having a stressful moment and I step away and I can bring myself back, that's okay. Everybody has those, right? But if you are starting to function in a stress, stressful place, a stressful episode, and it's become normal to you, you are now in critical burnout stage, and you may need to seek out some support to bring you back into a, a healthy space of just functionality.
1: I'm curious to know, so in all honesty, so my business journey, and we've talked about this before in the podcast, started with the death of my father. Mm-hmm. And I was thrust into this business, having no idea what I was doing, and on top of that, Uh, Trying to deal with grief while running a business Mm -hmm. um, means there was a lot of unresolved stuff there. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I started my career in fight or flight and in a very high stress situation. And then the pandemic hit, you know, and then it was one thing after the next, after the next. Mm -hmm. And I recently had a conversation with my therapist who said, maybe you actually don't know what it's like for your body to not be stressed. Mm -hmm. So what do you do when you've become so out of touch with your body that you don't, like, how do you reintroduce? Obviously, I know if I'm having a panic attack, it's like, that's gone too far, right? But what about those things that you maybe have become accustomed to? Like, how do you coach someone through just getting back in touch with their body and understanding what is an acceptable level of stress Mm -hmm. and then what's not?
0: Such a loaded question, and it's so (laughs) different for everyone. Um, I think the most important thing is understanding your stressors in your life. Everything can be a stressor um, if you allow it to be, you know? So it's the social things. It's, you know, the people you're around that can help, you know, boost your stress level, or can help reduce it. The things you eat, the things you put in your body is critical. Like, it's crazy how well I feel when I eat better versus when I'm just eating on the go. Because when I'm in stress mode, I'm like, I'm trying to get this done, I'm trying to get that done. I just grab something to eat. And it's not, you know, powerful for me. So it is also sleep. Sleep is really, really important. And that's the part I'm not gonna lie, I haven't, I haven't mastered that yet. <laughs> um, but sleep, being able to rest fully and not just close your eyes, but deep interim sleep is so important. And that stems from having a better sleep hygiene process. Like, do you like where you go to sleep? Do you like where you lay your head? at night and what do you do to prepare yourself for a deep night's rest so it's a combination of so many different things but at the core you really have to know what your stressors are so you can respond to them in real time so for me public speaking used to be a stressor really? and it still gives me some anxiety but i always find one person in the room Mm-hmm. And I lock eyes with them. And if they're giving me one of these, <laughs> I'm like, you're my person. Right
1: <laughs> it's a one-to-one conversation. It's a
0: one-to-one co- It's a room full of people, but you and I, or we're here.
1: Well, I feel like this is, A, really good for anyone watching to know that you can be afraid of something or, you know, have this anxiety and still perform at a very high level. Because, Akila, you are a phenomenal public speaker. Oh, thank and you. And <laughs> you're very articulate and thoughtful and... So I think it's just important for people to know that it's not just the people where it comes naturally and they have no fear, whatever. You can do things really well that still scare you.
0: Yeah. And and fear is another thing that gets a really bad rap and fear and burnout are close siblings, right? They're very closely related because a lot of the burnout comes from wanting to prove yourself in a particular scenario. If you have something to prove or you, you know, you just really want to, you want to be taken seriously in your professional space. If you're like myself, you're an overachiever, you're going to show up first, you're going to leave last, you're going to do all the things, you know, it's kind of like somebody comes to your home, they ask you for a cookie. I'm not just going to give you a cookie. I'm going to give you a cookie. I'm going to give you a glass of warm milk and maybe some chips on the side. (laughs) I'm I'm just, that's how I am. So I've always been that person that does just a little bit more. And that put me in a space of just always wanting to be perfect all of the time and to always show up. And then I started suffering from what I call the three Ps, which is perfectionism, procrastination, and then paralysis. I
1: feel so seen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and those three Ps are usually the root cause of high performers and, and just the root cause of burnout in high performers. Because those are the things that we're, we 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 experience, that professionalism, wanting to always have everything perfect. And then the procrastination, I'm going to put it off as long as I can, so it's going to be perfect. And then you realize, I haven't done the thing. And that's the paralysis of it. So and for suddenly me, it feels
1: so it's like it just it becomes this avalanche, even if it's a small task, yes, right? And yes. it's like, and impossible. It's heavy.
0: it's heavy because it's all the things. So what I've learned and over time is it's okay not being perfect at things. Embrace failing quickly and then learning. And that's what I did with going to school for coaching. I went there and I was like, what do you mean? I can't, I'm here to help people. And they're like, yeah, but you don't help them by telling them what to do. You help Mm -hmm. them by leading them to the answers. Everyone has the answers in them. You know what you need to do to resolve burnout. You just need to know what level of burnout you're at how many, so and how, how many, you can and how you can combat it so how many different
2: levels of burnout are they
0: uh, i would say and then other people burnout specialists across the world do not crucify me <laughs> uh, i would think that there's about five of them um so there's the entry level of burnout where you know it's a stress and you know, well, let's go five levels of stress It's you doing all of the things and you've experienced that you're stressed so you're like you're like okay i'm stressed i'm just gonna take a nap i'll be back and then there's this step ahead of that where like you're super stressed all the time um uh, but it's still you you can resolve it you know you're like all right i'm gonna go on vacation so people that go on vacation and they come back and they're refreshed they're still burnt out but like they can come back from it the third level in my opinion is more so now you're stressed by everything and everybody around you. So now you're a little bit more irritable. You're a little bit more annoyed. Things, you know, trigger you a little bit easier and vacations aren't working. So now you have to like really assess, you know, like what spaces you're in, who's around you, what you're eating, those types of things, but it's still salvageable. The fourth level is more so you're absolutely stressed, you can't, and it's starting to affect your day to day things. Like you can't get your task at work done because you're just so overwhelmed and you're so stressed, and you're just you're running in circles. And it's a lot of movement, but you're not solving anything. It's a lot of busy work, but the outcomes are still not there. So now it's starting to affect your relationships, not just your relationship with you know your loved ones, but your relationship with food your relationship with alcohol. So now you're you're latching on to other things to help reduce your stress levels. So you're getting at a critical stage of, of burnout. And that fifth stage is just, you've totally lost yourself in burnout. It's hard for you to get up in the morning. It's hard for you to keep food down. You're dropping weight drastically. You are, suffering mentally emotionally and physically and at that level it's super critical and it's essential for you to get help and it may be a therapist um, at first and then a coach it might be a combination of the two Um, it may be you checking into a rehab facility to to get some structured support that's how bad of uh, an outcome unresolved stress can get you like, checked into uh, an establishment where they have to monitor you and and get you that support that you need. So for me, maybe not the exact terms, but to me, those are the five levels. It's kind of
2: crazy to me that nobody actually ever identified burnout like, a, like the way you just described it, right? Mm-hmm. I think not
1: the same thing.
2: Because at the end of the day, it's like I, I was when you were speaking, I was kind of like my mind correlating things right. Mm-hmm. You see a police officer, and you always associate police officer, detective having to drink at the end of the night just to get through all the stuff that he's seen. Yeah. Um. You have a person like me that at the end of the night I like my nightcap too because I just been I like the days just so hectic and you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of crazy that in in the spectrum of like those five stages, mm-hmm. I can identify like a little bit of everybody, mm-hmm. and it's not taught in a traditional school like no. or. An environment
1: or just like the yeah. holistic responses you know it's so much like okay you just need to address this at work yeah. or if this you know, you identify that one stressor in your life and usually it's a compounding effect mm-hmm. or it's bled over and affected so many other things like you said but like the qu- you know the food you eat and you know the, how you treat your body and all yeah. of this goes into neglect when you're stressed um,
2: my so but jumping on patricia and emma i'm going more of like how we normalize it how do we normalize? When you say normalize, for it, example, mm-hmm. like me, right? So I
1: the hustle culture the hustle normalizes exactly. in the entrepreneurial <laughs> sphere, and I hate it. By mm-hmm.
2: your definition, I'm I'm extremely burnt out. Yeah, but, but my definition of burnt out, I'm like I'm cool. I'm culture. I'm like I'm I'm. It's I'm,
0: not at a critical stage. It's not at a
2: yet. so like two like was it two weekends ago? I slept like twenty six hours <laughs> like in two days. Like yeah. I just slept a lot. Yeah, and then I came back to work. I'm like I'm ready to grind again. I'm like I'm hungry.
0: Yeah, and I think you're at a stage where you're putting your body through things, right? You're building something amazing here with an amazing team and you want it to be great. You want it to be well-received. So you're going to put in extra work. You're going to do all of the things. Those are not necessarily bad things, right? You're building something amazing, but what we need to learn to do is to pay close attention to when the things that are around us are not in sync with what we're doing. You know what I mean? And when I say in sync, like, are you getting enough sleep? Because if you get enough sleep, you're going to show up differently on camera. You're going to be more perky. You're going to be more excited. Your energy is going to be different. But if you're exhausted, you still might show up, but it may feel on the the receiving end of it. People might be like, if they watch you all the time, they might be like, he's not himself today. So it's like that little happened. things be honest. like that. That's definitely
1: happened. Like, mm-hmm. we've actually had people, I'm, I'm just going to put this out there because our whole thing is being very transparent with people about yeah. the podcast journey and everything that we're building. It's happened to both of us where there have been days we showed up because, you know, we're here, we're, we're filming, mm-hmm. and then a friend will DM us and we'll say... Mm-hmm. Uh, looked A little rough today, like, are you taking yeah. care of yourself? She's you know, like, yeah.
2: I was a uh, so my friend's a doctor, and she's like, Are you taking care of yourself? Are you actually sleeping? Like, yeah, I was like, Not really. She's like,
0: Please sleep, um, tonight. And the people that observe you the most are usually the people that will spot burnout first, hmm. and that's the thing. If they come to us and they may ask questions like that, Are you okay? I, my wife asks me that all the time, maybe 10 times a day, Are you good? Okay? because she is around me the most. So when my energy switches or my energy shifts and I'm getting into a stressful place, she can tell and I can tell. So we bring each other back pretty quickly. And we're young millennials and she's a nurse practitioner. So she's in a high stress job. Mm -hmm. You use the example of police officers, which is a great example. They are in high stress jobs, nurses, police officers. Um, Dare I say teachers are now in a high stress job as well, having to deal with students and just the aggression that some students are putting out. Folks that are in the military, these are all high stress jobs where it's almost expected of you to be able to deal with high stress situations over and over and over again without taking the time to realize how that stress is affecting you on a personal level. That's why so many people in these spaces deal with PTSD and all of these things and they have to go to therapists when things have exploded with stress if you see it now like the stage that you're at and you learn to respond to it in a healthy way it can actually make you a lot better at what other things that you're doing you just have to be able to see it pinpoint it know how it shows up in your body and learn how to convert it into positive energy which is what a lot of athletes do yeah. Um, like
1: how do athletes do it? I mean mm-hmm. and, and how it's one thing to talk about it in this like nebulous sort yeah. of way But yeah. it's like wait, but actually though like how, how, do, how do, do we it. make that happen aside from I understand? I need to get more sleep. I understand yeah. taking care of my body like doing this mm-hmm. What I mean, what are the beginning steps to that?
2: Can it's I, so so can I ask a question before you answer yeah. that question to uh, to add to your question because mm-hmm. I would like to know is it like I had a training exercise one time mm-hmm. where it's like you try to freeze the time and space. Focus on your heartbeat. Decelerated. Mm-hmm. Get a little bit more hyper vigilant on what's around you, and then pick a course of action. And just focus on that course of action. Is that yeah. kind
0: of? You yeah. have just ventured into what I call having a wellness toolkit. Everybody should have a wellness toolkit. How do you bring yourself back into the present quickly? For some people, it's a weighted blanket in their desk at work. For some people, it's being able to control their breathing, slow their heart rate, and bring themselves back into focus. For others, like myself, it's a PQ rep. Just simply doing this below the table in a meeting, if I'm starting to have negative thoughts, I'm starting to get anxious, I simply just put my fingers together and I rub it together, rub them together, and I pay close attention to just the ridges on my fingertips. And what that does is it helps me to focus on being in a more positive space. Uh, so there's little things that everybody can do, but it, what might work for me may not work for you. Um, for some people, it's music. You know, music. I believe saved my life. With just the right playlist, was able to bring me out of a funk and just bring me back into a positive place. So everybody has their things, but no one is really showing folks how to create their wellness toolkit. And people think uh, people always think it's a it's a physical thing. Sometimes it's just things that you do internally to de-escalate yourself when you're getting overwhelmed or you're getting to that point of being super stressed.
2: It's kind of crazy. So I, I was serving in the military, the army, okay. and through our training- Thank you for your service. No, it was a job, but. Um, <laughs> uh, through our training, it's kind of crazy. I'm, I'm playing back basic training, like AIT. Mm-hmm. Um, so I flew um, RQ-7 Robert drones. I was a uh, UAV operator under military intelligence. and. Through our training, there's so many segments. I remember basic training, like, the first phase of basic training, they break you down and make you cry, like, every (laughs) single night. Like, they make you scrape the floor, do uh, crazy drills on a very high-intense environment to, to purposely break you. Yeah. The next step they do is pretty much rebuild you but in a kind of really structural manner mm-hmm. that's like they say in basic training you can fall asleep in the in the child line because you're so tired but at the same time you know how to go yeah the toolkit i just kind of i told you about mm-hmm. that's i learned that in ait when we're doing like under fire drills like when you're receiving fire from an enemy how to like react appropriately mm-hmm. and i think i apply that to me, pretty much everything I do in my life, I think a lot of those tools and trainings had translated over. Absolutely. I wonder if there is a way that people not in the service, because I'm pretty sure, like, I'm 99% sure the police department gets this training too. Mm-hmm. I think armed forces gets this training. But, like, is there a resource, other than, like, rehab centers, that mm-hmm. can provide entrepreneurs a kind of this type of training?
0: Yeah. Uh, to answer your question... And then to answer your question that you had asked originally is like using athletes, for example, what's the one thing some of the most successful athletes in the world have?
1: Trust? Personal trainer.
0: Personal trainer or coaches. <laughs> yeah. All right? And it's my belief that coaches hold the key to helping people to shift their energy from lower levels of energy into higher levels of energy. Because when we hold space for our client, it's simply to hold space for them to find the answers themselves. We're not telling you what you need to do all of the time. Therapists are able to give you a diagnosis and they're making the assessment. Coaches, we don't give any diagnosis. What we do is we hold space and we ask really powerful questions to get you from where you are at to where you desire where you desire to be. Uh, so for like yourself, and people that have served in the military, we need more coaches that have military background so that they can meet their, their clients where they're at and they're relatable. So they'll be able to understand some of the terms that you're, you're talking about. They'll be able to understand some of the things that you've gone through. The reason that I believe you're able to handle higher levels of stress is because of that training that they gave you. They've pushed you to the brink and now you can withstand more. It's like a muscle. They trained you to withstand high levels of stress because if someone, you're in a combat field or you're, you're in the middle of a high stress zone where they're shooting at you, you have to be able to assess everything quickly, make decisions in the spur of the moment. They coached you in a very tough way, but they were getting you ready for those types of things. Coaches, we do the same thing. So for each industry, I believe there should be coaches from those industries to help hold space in a way that feels familiar to the people that are receiving the coaching.
2: Does that make sense? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I never, it's kind of crazy. When you're going through the, the, the training, you never understand that they're actually preparing you for something or they're teaching oh, yeah? you something. Mm-hmm. I think the trouble that I suffer um, post that training is the correlation going back into the civilian world mm-hmm. or even my team members like me and Emma communicating, me Casey communicating, uh, you know what I'm saying? it doesn't translate that well sometimes like my expectations or my level of like work abilities Mm
0: -hmm.
2: are not comparable sometimes to what other people could do and it creates frustrations. Is there any, um, resources out there that can help that communication breakdown because the expectations are different? Mm
0: -hmm. I think one of the most important resources that I have access to, everyone may not have access to this, but if you, Happened to come across a coach that has gone to the IPEC School of Coaching. Uh, one of the tools that they give us access to—it's called a Energy Leadership Index uh, Assessment.
1: I've, oh my gosh! I think I've done. We might have done that. I know I've done. The that. The
0: course, training, right? Yeah, <laughs> we did. We, we
1: worked with a. We worked with yeah. a coach for a bit and, and did. They took you through that? Yes.
0: It's a very very helpful tool, um, and it's not like a behavioral assessment. Mm. It's an attitudinal assessment, so it helps uh, the coach to help a client to understand how they show up in the world when they are in lower levels of energy, like Mm -hmm. absolutely stressed, which would be level one energy is kind of a a victim uh, type of mindset. Why me? Why is this happening to me? Like, why, 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 why? You ask yourself that all the time and it's a big pity party for yourself, right? I've been there. Level two (laughs) is you've now moved into anger. I'm upset. I'm really annoyed by this. And you're snappy all the time. Level three, and it's ways, it's it's literally, you can go through all of these levels at different times, right? Mm -hmm. Level three, you're more in this space of, I want to be useful, I want to be helpful. I'm still there and I'm still figuring it out, but like, I'm still a little upset, but like, let's get through this together. Let's try and come up with a compromise. Level four, it's you're now in the space where you're like I feel I only feel useful when I'm in service of others. I only feel useful right now because other people need me to help them fix the thing. Help they need me to help them resolve the thing. Uh, level five I would say is a good place to be where you're like I want to be useful. I'm still here, but I still need to figure out you know how to how to be there for myself. Since you're now making a shift into a more of a reflective space, level six is synergy. You know, you're like, all right, well, we're all in alignment. You know, I understand you. I see you. You see me. And we're going to do the things. And everything's positive. Everything's flowing. And then level seven, which many people never get it to, is you will things into power. You literally are the most positive person that you have ever meet or will ever meet. Everything makes sense. Everything is connected. Everybody is connected and you are optimistic all the time. So a lot of people try to get there, but it seems unattainable for a lot of people. So that particular tool helps coaches to show people, well, this is how stress shows up in your life. This is how you show up in reaction to stress. And then we can help you to create a plan to resolve stress in your body and in your life using the information that you filled out. So it's not like we're telling you anything. These are all things that you filled out and we're just making observation and assessment so that we can help you to create a healthy plan for yourself. So that's one of the tools. Um, The other tools I would say is definitely a combination of two things. I think everybody would be A lot better off and the world would be a better place if everyone has two things, a therapist to do with all of the work on the bottom, uh, underneath the surface, and then a coach to serve as a a lighthouse, almost like a end goal in the fogginess of the world, pointing you in this direction or or beckoning you to come over here. Or if you're running a race, I like to use an athlete um, examples, when Athletes are running a race. A so, good example if they're doing a, a relay and they're doing a handoff, there's a really nice video of uh, some Jamaican athletes running and they do the handoff of the baton and you hear the other lady in the back of the girl that's about to take off saying, Go, run, run, run. And she just takes off going. That's a perfect example of the handoff between a therapist and a coach if it's done the right way. Uh, for me, the combination of therapy and coaching, hands down saved my life. It helped me to eat better. It helped me to sleep better. At my heaviest, I was 320 pounds. I'm now 240. Wow. I'm living that's a healthier incredible. life. that's incredible. All stemming from coaching. Left the space that I was in, where I was making great money, but I wasn't happy at all. And no amount of money in the world will replace the type of feeling that I have now, now that I'm doing purposeful work and helping people. It's just coaching and therapy together helped me to accomplish that, for sure.
2: I think that's the journey that me and Emma are on, if mm-hmm. I might speak openly. It's like, we're, we've been through, sh- she went through a uh, loss mm-hmm. when she came into the business world. I came into the business world more to prove people wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like in the military, in my unit, I was the only Latino in my unit. Mm-hmm when I opened uh, the barbershop shop in Valpo, I was the only I was the first Latino to open a bi- uh, a business in 97% white community in the historic part of the downtown mm-hmm. um, I I mean even from my childhood I proved my dad wrong and that's always been like my main motivator I always see myself in a disadvantage, like, for example me and Emma. Emma's a freaking great public speaker. <laughs> I'm a quiet bee, you know what I'm saying? Nah, you're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> you're, you're, you're better than you think you are.
0: Um, but y'all balance each other pretty well, energy-wise. Like, the energy in here is phenomenal. And even Casey. Hey, Casey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the energy in here, everybody, everyone plays their role energetically. And when you find your people and things work, and it works. Yeah. It's crazy.
2: Like, like what I was trying to say is, like... Um, me and Emma, we've been through business coaching. We've been through some therapy with the horses. Mm-hmm. We have definitely invested time and energy in repairing the lines of communications that sometimes we break as human beings because we're yep. ignorant. And we don't know the damage that the words that we say come out Absolutely. to the other, the other person. Um, it's really To me, it's really impactful how you you pretty much summarize it. It's like we need a therapist to fix and help repair the damage that sometimes we cause ourselves mm-hmm. or the tragedies that life Brings throw out it our right. ways, mm-hmm. and then having a coach to bring us to the like to the next level of our space. So I was talking to Emma. I was like, I'm looking for uh, a mentor to help me scale to the next level. Yeah. of our company. You mm-hmm. know what I'm
0: saying? And there's a there's a really a fine line between mentoring, coaching, therapy. They all are somewhat connected. So people oftentimes miscategorize them. And sometimes people come to me and they're like, I want you to tell me what to do. Well, that's consulting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or they come to me and they're like, I really, I just, I want to talk to you. And I know you're a good listener and I just want you to listen. Well, now I'm in the coach space, right? Because that's what coaches do. We listen intuitively and with intention. And then the questions that we ask allow you the opportunity to Answer that question without the pressure of being judged, because everyone has the fear of being judged, no matter how confident of a person you are. I think a lot of people still struggle with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Coaches whole non-biased space, even though it's hard for us at times because we're like the judgment is coming in. <laughs> we have to remind ourselves that we're there to help you work through the thing whatever the thing might be. So we usually start by just asking you what do you want to work on today. And then we pause. So a lot of times when I'm talking to clients and I pause for too long, you could tell they get anxious. They're like, why are you not saying anything? Because I'm giving you time to process. I'm giving you time to, to go through the thought and to think about what you're about to say, not because I'm going to judge you, but because I, I want you to believe in what you're saying. Yeah. And then I'll ask the why. I have this thing where I ask, Seven whys. Uh, It's called, uh, I guess for for some people, you know, it's just called, I forgot the exact name, but you ask seven whys. And at the end of that seven why, you really have the answer because now you've stripped away all of the expectation by me simply asking you, and why is that important to you?
2: Like a little kid. Or
0: why why is it that you feel so strongly about it? Because the first reaction that somebody gives, like if I'm talking to somebody and they're burnt out and they'd be like, I'm burnt out. My initial question would be, well, why are you burnt out? And they'll be like, well, you know, my job, you know, I've, I've just been, you know, trying to, to get that promotion at my job. Well, why is that promotion at that job? You know, why is it important to you? Well, it's important to me because, you know, this is how I provide for my family. Well, okay, that makes sense and that's admirable. So why is it important for you to provide for your family?
1: Mm-hmm. You, know? you and uncover the layers
0: of an onion. going, you go but through. I have to do it in a way that's very, not secretive, but it's <laughs> intentional. You have a calming presence, too, so yeah. I can see that, how that oh, plays. Thank again. you. I had to work at that. Would you believe that? <laughs>
1: no, it no, seems not, like not, it's no. natural.
0: <laughs> 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 I've always been a good listener. I've always been somebody that feels most useful when I'm helpful to others. And coaching allows me to do that. And now my close friends and my wife and my family members, they can tell when I'm doing my coach thing because it's not <laughs> something I do anymore. It's who I have to be in order for me to be really well at it.
2: I mentioned this question. I'm kind of curious mm-hmm. and ask, I'm asking this question kind of selfishly for myself, but mm-hmm. does it, is it help you when you start identifying yourself with your work? I know earlier mm-hmm. in the same when you said your work became your life. Yeah, That's the statement I say constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, is that healthy
0: technically? It's, I mean, a therapist would have to give you (laughs) their perspective. I think it's okay for you to be passionate about the things that you do. But for me, how I show up in the world is really important to me because that is what people are going to be attracted to as far as like, if we work together or not, Mm -hmm. I have to live an authentic life. I have to show up how I want to be perceived in the world because that's the living example of what coaching can do for you if you apply it the right way and if you have the right coach. So for me, I think it's really, it's less of if it's healthy or not, it's more so, is it healthy for you and can you handle it?
2: So is it sustainable?
0: Is it sustainable? Is it important enough for you to really know that your work is important and it's going to change lives, but, and, can you do both? Can you still help people and save lives in the process and also pay attention to you and give yourself all of the things that you need while also giving to other people? Because that's something that high achievers do all the time. They want to pour from their cup all the time. Into and then their other cup's, cup's
1: empty and what then they can't giving? pour anything. Then
0: there's nothing uh, for you to pour. So my thing is overflow. I really want to live a life of overflow where I have so much to give that it doesn't hurt me if others, you know, I'm able to pour into others because it's constantly flowing for me. But it took a while for me to get there. I still have moments where I lose myself in my work because I'm trying to build something. And I have to remind myself that I don't want to build the same prison that I was able to escape from because entrepreneurs do that. You
1: know, no, I feel that in deep. my soul
0: so deep because <laughs> so deep. No,
1: I what I realized and I've had a hard time with is I feel guilty that mm-hmm. so there are parts of my personality, parts of who I am that will never be related to making money, oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be so far from like traditional business things. And I need to hold space for playing music, mm-hmm. for spending time with my loved ones, mm-hmm. for going on adventures, things that have that total departure from reality for reading an incredible book. That's not a business book. It could be fantasy, you know? And I struggle with that sometimes because you're given this mindset of like, you need to be so wholly focused and the people that really make it are the ones who are totally dedicated. Don't
0: sleep. And,
1: you know, and it's like, I need to do all of these things to show up my best when I'm there. And it's so hard to not compare myself mm-hmm. to someone. In all honesty, Jose is a good example where so much of what mm-hmm. he loves to do and is genuinely passionate about directly ties back to this business. Mm-hmm. But I'm over here like, well, I just wrote a song <laughs> on my guitar. That's not going to help us get to, you know more viewers on the podcast. That's so not going to help us do yeah. this. And it's so hard to, to have the perfectionism, to have the high achieving goal but to realize maybe I'm not built the same way.
0: And it's it's really tough when you realize that the thing that you love the most in the world might not love you back the way you love it. And I had to learn that about my previous role. I had lo- I loved being at that job. I loved doing the work that I was doing. I was in the community doing all of the things and somewhere along the way I just realized that I'm giving so much of myself to this thing But I'm not getting it. It's not being reciprocated. It's not being, it's not giving back to me. I guess I have the things financially and I can go on the trips and I can help my mom buy a house and all of these things. But I wasn't happy as a person because I wasn't walking in my purpose. Me, I may have started walking in that purpose because I helped to give other people employment and I have people live in places they may never have lived in their lives and they have an opportunity to move with the company. And those were all things that I enjoyed. But somewhere along the lines, I had to step away from that and be brave enough to go pursue my passion and to go pursue my purpose, because that is why I was why I'm here. But it was a journey getting to that. So it was a journey. getting. That being stated,
2: when you find your so Mm -hmm. when you find your purpose, my brain is processing what you just said, Mm -hmm. like when you find your purpose does the line between work-life balance kind of blur because you feel like you're in line? So by proxy, <laughs> I'm in my purpose.
0: <laughs> you are in your purpose. And if you, if you can't stop thinking about that thing you love doing for work, that's a beautiful place to be. I like am at home and I'm like, I can't stop thinking about ways to introduce people to coaching. I <laughs> dream about it all the time. I'm like, this podcast came up and I, when you send the questions over this, uh, here's some questions we you guys. So I'm like, I feel seen because that means the work that I'm doing, other people want to hear about it. And if you have a platform for me to share the importance of coaching and how coaching helped change my life. I want to be in that space. So I'm always thinking about, all right, well, how do we create more coaches? How do I get more men of color to become coaches? Because men of color in particular, uh, we don't show up to therapy like we should or coaching like we should. And it's because we don't see ourselves reflected in the people that are providing that particular support. So one of my commitments I have, you know, one, not commitments, one of the goals that I have for my practice is to launch a space where we can create opportunities for more young men of color to to go into coaching and to, to come into the fold, because it's a non-traditional career path, but it's so rewarding I wanna, if it's for you.
2: I want to ask you a question. Let mm-hmm. me um, I'm, I'm give you a little backstory before I ask you okay. so we could be on the same page. So. I'm Latino, right? Mm-hmm. Me and my father don't have this, like, lovey-dubby relationship. Yeah. I, I can't—I probably can't comment on many times. I tell my dad I love him. Mm-hmm. Um We don't really hug. hmm Like, it's like I was raised in a culture that you're men, you know Say what I'm you. saying? Mm-hmm. That's your right. I'm on my side. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if um, the reason—or let me, let me give you a little more breakback story, like— when it comes to therapy or coaching, I was I was really opposed to it. Emma's the one that kind of like say we probably should invest into this so we can get better. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's a culture thing for Latinos and people of color that that the 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 image of a man, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying, kind of like it's polar opposite to those support systems.
0: Yeah, you are spot on, especially from men, uh, minority based men that come from foreign countries. Like we're told. From a very young age, why are you crying that mm-hmm. why and I heard this growing up a lot you know why are you acting like a little girl? and mm-hmm. those types of things are traumatic for grown men today because we were not taught to lean into our feelings
1: to hold space for your emotions that are human yeah. by yeah, essence literally. and
0: everyone has them, but there's this expectation in these communities that for you to be soft and for you to be vulnerable, it's a weak thing. Mm -hmm. Being soft and and living in your softness and being able to be vulnerable and to to ask for help on those things, I believe because I've acquired those things over time, it's going to help me become way better of a parent. And my dad was very much the same way growing up. We, we didn't exchange those I love yous as much and all of those things. Today, we tell each other we, I, I, we love each other every time we're on the phone. Same thing with my brother. Same thing with my mom. But what got us to that point was me losing my youngest brother and realizing that we only have so much time with each other. So I want you to know I love you every time I talk to you. Even though it might be hard for you to give it back, I'm going to say it because it's what I need. It might not be what you need, and and you probably do need it as well, but it's something that I needed for me. So I started taking the initiative to do it, and that was part of my healing process. The people that I love, I want you to know I love you because I may not see you tomorrow. I may leave here, and we may never get the opportunity to do that again. So I tell people when, and I have a lot of men that I work with, men of color that experience that, I tell them, you have to take the initiative for those around you that you love for them to know and understand what your love looks like and then you allow them the opportunity to explore it and to deal with it how they see fit but that's for you it's more for you than it is for them because then you're going to pass that down to your kids you know and when if you decide to have kids My kids are going to get tired of me loving on them. They're going to be like, get off of me. I'll be like, nah, you're mine. (laughs) But not your mine, but we're each other. You know Mm what I mean? And I'm glad that I found an amazing partner that we plan on doing that with our kids as well. Because we've both had strained relationships in the past with our parents. And we're doing the time and doing the work in real time to make those improvements so that we could do better
2: breaking generational traditions and stuff. Breaking generational Absolutely. trauma.
0: Yeah. yeah. And trauma is another thing that's not another sibling of, you know, burnout. It's just that's all unresolved issues that a lot of us have not taken the time to, to say out loud or to express. And
1: they weigh on you every single day.
0: And we get really good at pushing it away mm-hmm. and hiding it and locking it away. Or normalizing and- it or normalizing it. Mm-hmm. And when you least expect it, it's like a pot that just bubbles over. And now you're a, a mess and you're a hazard to yourself and to others because you haven't addressed the things that hurt you. You haven't addressed you know, that you want to be loved. You want people to express their love and their appreciation for you. One of the reasons I left the corporate space is I didn't have any more to give to that group of people. They took everything and as far as like energy wise. And I didn't have any more to give. And when I showed up and I told them, I don't have no more for you. I don't have any left for y'all. They were still wanted to take more. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have to get out of this space like immediately and go take care of myself and take care of my happiness. And coaching helped me to, to do that.
1: And you have. You've done a lot. And in fact, you're wearing a shirt that, you know, I want to talk about for a moment. So tell us about Intentionally Black.
0: I love that question. So uh, Intentionally Black is a company that was founded from a passion project of mine. So I have a close friend and co-founder. Her name is Muriel Foster. Uh, We work in the same space. I work for Impact Hub. She works for an organization called G-Beta. And we really wanted to create some Black History Month programming. Um, with me being from the Caribbean, her being from the States, we were like, well, yeah, do some dope stuff and bring our community together uh, so that we can show up and create spaces for entrepreneurs of color. So intentionally, Black is a it's a consultants, consultancy, I would say, but with the angle of helping entrepreneurs of color to move the needle on their business by working with other entrepreneurs of color. So spaces and programming created for entrepreneurs of color by entrepreneurs of color. so important. And all month long uh, for Black History Month, we're doing programming uh, highlighting our creatives and their contributions to the arts. Uh, So creatives are entrepreneurs that I feel like are forgotten about in the Houston ecosystem. And they are the most, to me, one of the most important pieces of the ecosystem. Because those are the ones that are adding the dopeness to Houston. They're the ones <laughs> yes. that are you know, telling all of the stories. The photographers are capturing everybody's events. The videographers are capturing the, the moments. The artists are creating emo- pieces that allow you the time to just step away from building the thing and to feel.
1: This is such a culturally and, like, art-driven city. Yes. Hugely. It's like the Mm -hmm. the veins that runs the undercurrent of the city. And so being able to elevate those voices, that's pretty sick.
0: And it's it's a bold thing, too, right? Because when you go into coaching, I never want to be that coach that is too selective. I believe my gift is for whom needs it. But there's also the opportunity of creating a sense of belonging so that people that want to work with a coach that looks like me, that has a similar background to them, they have that available to them. And uh, we plan on just creating more spaces for Intentionally Black where entrepreneurs see themselves and they show up and then we give them some dopeness too. So we have a month long full of programming tomorrow, actually, at uh, the Downtown Launchpad. We're doing a creative uh, takeover. So we have a panel with amazing panelists um, that are all creative entrepreneurs, and they're going to be talking about monetizing your creative genius. Um, so that's going to be from one to two. And we're just going to create space to talk about how you can take your business to the next level as a creative and then we always have to have the coaching component there as of well. Course. So I'll do some circle, uh, some circle talks where people can come, we can sit, and we can just talk about things like how does burnout show up in creatives and how do we resolve that so that you can be more creative, you can be more connected, and then you can 100x your impact in the work that you're doing. Yeah.
1: So we're going to be putting all of this great information in the bio below because we can't just have an amazing guest who has a platform, who's doing all of this stuff. And we are obviously we're creatives. We're in support of other creatives. So we're going to be putting this stuff down there because this episode, by the time it launches, we're still in Black History Month. There's still going to be a lot of great activities that you guys are going to be putting on. So for anyone that's in the Houston area, check it out. Support. This is part of what makes this community such a thriving, amazing place to be a part of.
0: So it's a big lab. I tell people all the time, um, I work over at the Impact Hub, too. shout out to the Impact Hub. Um, because Impact Hub has truly been it, its such an amazing place to work. The energy is amazing. My director, Grace Rodriguez, my deputy director, Michelle Avalos. When I tell you I have not worked with such amazing people, I mean, everywhere I work, I have amazing people, but uh, to work with these two women and I tell people before I work for Grace and Michelle that they were like, no, you work with us. And that is the energy that I want to put out into the world. Even with my coaching clients, I want us to work together. This coaching thing that we're doing, it takes two to tango, right? So if you show up powerfully. I would show up powerfully and then amazing things will happen. It's the same thing with intentionally black, same thing y'all are doing here. It's just synergy and energy and it can be infectious or it can be disruptive. Uh, We get to choose um, what it is or how we show up. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for holding for space with me. us today and for this teaching amazing, us. yeah, teaching us. My
0: pleasure. Thank you all for having
1: me. Absolutely. I'll be back
0: anytime you want <laughs> So for
1: everyone out there, if you like this kind of content, like always, subscribe if you're not, like this, share with friends and family, with anyone that you might be experiencing burnout or stress, we're going to be releasing all sorts of episodes on stuff that we wish people talked about more.
0: Yeah. Is there a site or anything that people can reach you at? Yes, um, so you can find me at www.imcoachakeel.com, and
1: that's Akeel, one A-K-E-E. A-K-E-E. There you go. <laughs>
0: um, and uh, my website is actually undergoing some some changes, but you can still find me on there. I'm also Akeel Bernard on LinkedIn, and I am Coach Akeel on Instagram. And then you can also follow Intentionally Black and Impact Up. I'm doing all the things. I'm you everybody. <laughs> Your You're a connector. You can connect with me on any one of those platforms. And the work that I do, it's all synergetic and they're all connected. So either one of those platforms will get you to me. And then we could explore um, how to help you show up in the world more powerfully.
2: I like that.
1: That's it, folks. See you next
0: time. See you next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>